Hey guys, this is Liz Cambage. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Essence Starkey. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. What's up, WNBA Nation? Kyle Haywood here with a little quick mini episode for all of you. Really excited. I just got done watching the Commissioner's Cup game between the Aces and the Sky. I'm really pumped. That's what the majority of this episode is going to be about, is just kind of breaking that down. But we have a little bit of other news that I want to hop in to as well, that I'm sure a lot of you have been uh, been talking about and discussing and and taking a look at as well. But before we hop into all of that, just a quick reminder for you to check us out on social media. The easiest way to reach us is on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. You can also find our website, WNBANation.com. That's where you can hang out. You can see all of our episodes there. You can listen to it there. You can read our blog. You can uh, check out all of our merch. You can pick up whatever you'd like there. I went on a trip just this last week. Uh, went on a little week-long vacation with the family, and I ended up packing my WNBA Nation backpack, and it worked out really, really well, and uh, I really enjoyed it, so pretty stoked about that. Uh, So yeah, feel free to check that stuff out. Uh, If you are listening on a streaming app that allows you to give ratings, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Um, or there's a few others as well, and you want to give us a five-star rating or give us a thumbs-up rating on there, uh, we would appreciate that. Um, And again, that is just simply to help us reach uh, a bigger and broader audience to hopefully bring more people into watching the WNBA and women's basketball in general. So let's hop right into a few things, because again, I said this is going to be a mini-episode. I'm just flying solo tonight, and... uh, Yeah, we're going to just cruise through a few talking points here that I feel like we definitely have to hit. Before we get into the Commissioner's Cup, can we talk Liz Cambage for just a little bit? We kind of have to, right, at this point. So Liz Cambage has had such an interesting career from uh, her coming into the league, her involvement with Australia basketball, um, and you know, changing teams around to fall out with Australia basketball, and all kinds of uh, all kinds of stuff surrounding Liz Cambage. Um, first thing that uh, that I'll say about this is that I don't think I'm surprised at all that she has stepped away from the Los Angeles Sparks. For those of you who are curious what I'm talking about, in case you haven't been on social media, you know you're out and about. Uh, maybe you haven't had a chance to really tap into league news and you're hearing this for the very first time, I'll go ahead and just read the um, the press release that came out from the Sparks. It's pretty short, but here you go. Uh, July 26th, 2022, the Los Angeles Sparks announced today the team has agreed to a contract divorce with center Liz Cambage. It is with support that we share Liz Cambage's decision to terminate her contract with the organization, Sparks Sparks managing partner Eric Holloman said. We want what's best for Liz, and we have agreed to part ways amicably. 
The Sparks remain excited about our core group and are for- and are focused on our run toward a 2022 playoff berth. Cam Beige, 30, was originally signed by the Sparks on February 15th as a free agent. The six foot nine center held averages of 13 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 1.6 blocks in 25 games this season. Um, first of all, her averages have been really down this season. Um, I believe those are probably, I'd have to check, those are likely her lowest that she's had in a long time, um, maybe since all the way since she began in the WNBA. Um, so there's a lot with this. Uh, I actually, again, was on a, a family vacation, and so uh, Monday night, the 25th, I actually spent a little bit of time going through and catching up on some highlights of some games that had happened over the last few days, just getting caught up. Um, you know, I was with family, so I wasn't watching uh, much basketball. So one of the games that I did catch, though, um, at least in, in, in kind of a speed through watching some highlights, and, and I cruised through just the second half of the uh, Sparks at Vegas Aces game that happened, I believe, on the 23rd. Yes, I think that was on the 23rd. Um, so I, I watched that, which was really interesting because I saw that the game ended 84 to 66, um, which when I started the second half was really surprising to me because the Sparks were doing really, really well. They were actually ahead for a good chunk of the third quarter, and then it seemed like the wheels fell off. Now, we do have a little bit of insider knowledge thanks to Chris Haynes at Yahoo Sports. want to give a quick shout out to Chris Haynes. I believe that we have retweeted um, the article. Um, if not, I will go through and retweet it right now. But I just wanted to make sure that it was available for everyone um, and that Yahoo Sports is getting the um, is getting the credit they deserve for for taking a look at this. Um, so Yahoo Sports. Oh, here we go. Yep, I, I did not retweet. I only favored it. I'm going to retweet it right now. Chris Haynes. Chris Haynes did some good work here. Um, checking this out. So he mentions that uh, Liz Cambage towards the end of the game against the Aces was kind of leisurely running up to the court and complaining. Um, about that she wasn't getting touches. She wasn't getting enough passes into uh, into the post, um, which apparently was some normal behavior. Um, her teammates then acknowledged it, and in return, out of annoyance, they began force-feeding her the ball regardless, regardless of what play was supposed to be run. Um, so... I was curious to see if that was true. I went ahead and I went back and I pulled up the Sparks and Aces game on WNBA League Pass, and I watched the uh, second half of the third quarter in its entirety, or yeah, the last part of the third quarter and all of the fourth quarter, and I see exactly, um, I see exactly what happened. I didn't notice it the first time through. Again, I was just kind of going through catching highlights, didn't notice it. But now watching it a little bit more with a fine-tooth comb and watching the Sparks bench, watching the Sparks players, and especially Cam Beige herself, um, yeah, I think it was it was something that was pretty obvious. There was a, a few different uh, interactions where um, Liz was asking for the 
asking for the ball inside, and it didn't go into her, but it was mostly because there was kind of a, a double team coming. Um, several times that she did get the ball, and uh, for example, Chelsea Gray popped over and immediately waited for Liz to put the ball on the floor. Chelsea Gray pops in, got a jump ball. Uh, a couple other times that Cambage lost the ball um, and you know probably didn't seal off as well uh, as she should have uh, in the in the post and maybe that's why she wasn't getting the ball but then I was watching for that force feeding into her just giving her the ball no matter what and it really did start happening um, and she she got a couple shots did a few things but it ended up actually really stifling a lot of what the sparks were trying to do um, most of that started to come after the aces had started going on a run and some frustration was starting to show from not just cam beige but the sparks team in general um, you saw a little bit of some force feeding from players like jordan canada um, uh Katie Lou Samuelson had a couple that she she was pushing in there as well as uh, in particular Kennedy Carter. In fact, I I do think that Cambage and Kennedy Carter were the two that um, started really, uh, you know, I, I think Carter passed it into Cambage, who then lost it or or had a kind of a bad shot, um, and Carter reacted, you know, put her arms up in the air, and uh, I think Jordan Canada missed a, a wide open three, airballed it. And Cambage kind of shook her head going down the court. It just wasn't, it was not a good fourth quarter for the Sparks in general. Uh, not just because they, uh, in fact, let me pull up that box score really quick. See if I can get that box score quick. And see what the score was in that fourth quarter. Uh, see how these teams went. Be patient with me. I'm doing this solo. All right, here we go. Uh, fourth quarter, yeah. The Aces outscored the Sparks 27 to 13. So they scored 14 more points than the Sparks, who only had 13 in the quarter anyway. So not a great fourth quarter, and you could just see a lot of frustration coming from um, from the Sparks in general. So um, that's what I saw in the game. Apparently, Cambage then went into, again, Yahoo Sports reported, Cambage went into the locker room really quickly, um, rushed to the locker room, got dressed, and as she was leaving the locker room, she said, I can't do this anymore. Best of luck to you guys. And just didn't, uh, I guess that was that. That was the end of the Liz Cambage era in L.A., which did not <laughs> which did not pan out as well as many uh, hoped. But if you go back and listen to what a lot of people were curious about as this as this Sparks team kind of came together, um, signing Liz Cambage, um, bringing in Kennedy Carter, and then having some questionable like leadership, um, you know, basically like, like kind of a lack of leadership um, in several key positions, and then dropping Derek Fisher at the very beginning of the season, like. This has kind of been a little bit of a mess, this, exper this experiment that L.A. was trying to pull off this season that everybody was like, they're either going to be amazing because they have all this talent or they're going to absolutely crash and burn. I don't know if their record would indicate that they are in the crash and burn category, but they have fired their head coach and lost Liz Cambage. So 
we'll see. They currently sit at sixth place in the league, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out for uh, Los Angeles as they attempt to keep that position and and make sure they try and get into the playoffs and see what they can do from there. Overall, I'm not surprised with uh, the, the fact that Liz Cambage didn't last the season. Um, I wish I could say that I was surprised. I think that there were a lot of indications from former franchises that she was with, you know, going back to Las Vegas and even all the way back to Dallas, she had a lot of issues with some of the leadership and other players in those uh, in those franchises. And then obviously kind of the big story from this last offseason was the uh, story with the Australian national team and especially the uh, altercation that took place between Cambage and the Nigerian national team and some comments and even a, an elbow that was thrown from Cambage. So... It seems as though we may have seen the last of Liz Cambage's WNBA career and perhaps kind of the end of her basketball career. Who knows? She may still go play over. I believe she's played in China and a couple other places. Um, but she, I, I don't think we're going to see her in the WNBA, at least, and perhaps not basketball. I know that she has uh, some other sources of income and hobbies that she uh, maybe focusing more on now, but that's pretty much what you uh, what what you're gonna get here uh, from from us. Is I, I don't think that we're gonna see Liz Cambage. Um, I know that uh, uh, as far as being an entertaining individual with you know uh, a big personality and a lot of strength, um, you know she could do uh, a lot of different things: uh, acting, modeling whatever she's a dj there's a lot of other places but i don't think we will see liz cambage back on the WNBA floor now i went a little bit longer on cambage than i initially intended but uh, i said this was a mini episode it might just be like kind of a, a normal episode because we still have to talk all about the commissioner's cup what a game what a what a performance primarily from las vegas who started out this game 13 to nothing. They jumped out to a 13-point lead right from the get-go, and the first quarter was ugly by Chicago. Really, really ugly. Las Vegas went up 33 to 14 at the end of the first. Absolutely dominant. Really, really solid start. And uh, Chicago kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, I know Courtney Vandersloot was coming off of um, some concussion uh, protocols and had missed several games and she came in she played uh, just shy of 22 minutes um, but they actually played a pretty good rotation only two players with 30 plus minutes and that was Copper and Parker uh, who finished with 18 and 20 points respectively uh, Candace Parker also had 14 boards while Copper uh, chipped in eight boards herself so really solid performance from both of them Emma Miesemann also with 18 so Chicago played really well. I think uh, Quigley seemed to be off, only going one for seven from the floor, and was a minus 17 in the plus minus. Really seemed to struggle a little bit there for Quigley. Um, Vandersloot didn't seem quite herself. She went 0 for 4 from behind the arc. Um, and uh, they actually, the team did get a few decent minutes 
out of Julie Allemont, who ended with six assists, but that's pretty much all she had in her box score was six assists uh, going over three from the floor. So not a great performance from the Chicago Sky backcourt. Really, really struggled there. But their front court with uh, Parker, Copper, and Mieseman, all scoring 18 or 20. Um, really solid performance there. And I don't think that this is a time to panic for Chicago Sky fans. I will say that I think that the Chicago Sky are going to be just fine. Obviously, you're going to get uh, Vandersloot back to, to full health. Um, Rebecca Gardner actually came in, provided some pretty solid minutes. Uh, Azure Stevens and Julie Allemond off the bench. Like, they've got some depth there. Um, you still have Dana Evans and Ruthie Hebert that could provide some minutes, you know, down the line uh, as you approach the playoffs and whatnot. But overall, this was just Las Vegas's night from start to finish. They came out absolutely uh, on fire, played great, great basketball. Um, kind of the joke of the night was as the, as the game was finishing up, everybody was like, okay, who is going to win? Who's going to win the, um, the MVP? Like who's going to be the commissioner's cup MVP from the aces? Because you could have picked at least four of the five starters to do that. Um, Chelsea Gray ends up winning the MVP. She came away with 19 points, five assists and four boards. Uh, so a really solid performance there from Chelsea Gray. She went eight of fifteen from the field, two for uh, two for four behind the arc. Solid performance. She was a plus thirteen and the plus minus, which led to her team. However, let me just read some of these other box scores from this Las Vegas Aces squad. Kelsey Plum led the way in points with twenty four to go along with six assists. So she led the team in points and assists. Um, Asia Wilson with 17 points, 17 rebounds, and six blocked, six blocked shots. An absolutely dominant performance from Asia Wilson. I kind of was leaning that she was going to be uh, getting the MVP because that's just an insane line there. Um, and Jackie Young also, 18 points, six rebounds, two assists. Uh, really solid performance from Jackie Young as well, like, that's a stat line that could easily have led the team and, and come away with an MVP. Um, but she probably was fourth in MVP uh, ranks if, if, if I were to go through this. So Chelsea Gray takes the MVP. Um, congratulations to her. Congratulations to all of Las Vegas. And congratulations to, to both teams. You know, both teams making the game ended up with a, um, a bonus. I believe the Chicago Sky players come away with a $10,000 bonus while the Aces players come away with a uh, come away with a thirty thousand dollar bonus, so um, yeah, there's a there's a prize pool of a half a million dollars for the championship for the Commissioner's Cup championship. Yes, okay, I'm just fact checking now. Each player on the winning team thirty grand, losing team ten grand, and the MVP with an additional five grand. So Chelsea Gray walks away with thirty five thousand in her pocket. Really, really solid, as well as. Uh, some organizations that were able to be donated to some um, a cryptocurrency bonus of 120 grand. Uh, so each player gets five grand in crypto, which I think was was kind of interesting. Um, and then there was some um, then there was some really solid uh, 
donations to different charities with Atlanta, Phoenix, Minnesota, India, like everybody getting some really solid um, donations to different, um, basically your participation in the Commissioner's Cup games leading up to the championship earns you certain amounts that go toward a charity of your choice. For example, the Indiana Fever earned the least amount and their charity of choice, or organization of choice, I should say, is the Indiana Black Expo, which received eight grand. Um, the Sky and the Aces each won nine of their Commissioner's Cup games and res- and earned their organizations $18,500 each. So for Chicago, that was my block, my hood, my city, and Las Vegas, the ACLU of Nevada. So there's kind of your breakdown of the financial end of the commissioner's cup overall pretty solid game um i could see that a lot of people might say it was maybe a little bit boring game chicago uh, just only a few times came within real striking distance um but it really never felt like the game was going to be uh kind of taken away from las vegas at any point there was no like crazy shift in momentum they were able to uh the aces were pretty well able to to move forward and, and take this um, kind of a fun moment that happened after the game. Uh, Kathy Engelbert went into the Aces locker room to celebrate with them and handed Kelsey Plum uh, a box, a gift box. And if you go to Sydney Colson's, uh, I believe it's on her Instagram, check out Sid Colson and uh, who recorded this whole thing. Um, Kelsey Plum opens the box and it's just kind of a lot of uh, like bubble wrapper or you know like kind of a padding that's in there. So she opens it up. And she's kind of confused, and then she looks a little bit further in, and there is a teeny tiny statue that resembles a little bit her uh, all-star MVP trophy. So it was cool to see uh, Commissioner Engelbert kind of, uh, you know, leaning into that kind of a, a situation that happened with that happened with uh, the trophy there, and and now that they've got more hardware. There in Las Vegas, hopefully, uh, you know, I, th- I thought that was kind of a a nice move by the commissioner to, st- to step in and say, hey, like, I understand this became a little bit of a meme. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. Um, I got to say, we talked about this last season. The Commissioner's Cup trophy, I really enjoy. Uh, I like it a lot. It's that nice rose gold with a basketball with a, an upside down hoop net on it that looks like a crown. Um, it's a really good looking trophy in my opinion. I really like it. So, um, really, really enjoying that. I, that's, that's pretty much all I've got for you tonight, everybody, just some quick breakdowns on the commissioner's cup. Um, and, uh, you know, taking a look at moving on to the rest of the season, um, and kind of where things are going to go from here. Chicago sky still in that number one spot. Uh, Las Vegas, only one game behind them. Connecticut, Seattle, and Washington, each rounding out the top five. Uh, Each of them just one game behind each other. So Las Vegas, one game back. Connecticut, two games back. Seattle, three games back. And Washington, four games back. After that, it gets messy. And I am all about second half of the season or back, back half of the season mess and just craziness. Because as you look at it, the Sparks, the Wings, the Dream, and the Mercury are all within half a game of each other 
and that is your six through nine spot. So at least one of those teams will be missing the playoffs. And that's not to count out the Liberty and the Lynx, who both technically still could make the playoffs themselves if they go on a run here. The Indiana Fever, um, they're 17 games back. They are they're six games back, or five and a half games, I get. Well, no. Yeah, five and a half games back from the 11 spot Minnesota Lynx. They're not doing anything. But Minnesota and New York are still in the in the running here as well. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a mad scramble to try and get into the playoffs. The Sparks uh, way up at that six spot with, you know, technically in the lead of this big group. But obviously, as we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, there's a lot of question marks about what that is going to do for the Sparks organization. Maybe Cambage leaving could be a good thing for the Sparks. Maybe they'll rally and and see what happens there. Who knows? Um, really intrigued to see what happens among these teams uh, in that 6 through 10, 6 through 11 range. There's just a ton going on there, and I'm excited to see what, what's happening. Um that's pretty much, uh, pretty much all we've got for you today. I'm going to go ahead and sign off, keep this a little bit more brief, and hope you enjoy uh, your day whenever it is that you happen to be listening to this. Uh, but thank you all for all of your support, uh, all of your you know uh, checking in, listening, everything like that, following us on social media, interacting us with, interacting with us on Twitch or YouTube or wherever it is that you happen to be listening to us and interacting with us. We appreciate that always. Uh, But thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. For WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood, and we got you next time.